Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Christmas week, getting close. You feel it in the air. Not here in Texas. We're going to have an 80-degree Christmas. I don't know why I expect anything different. <laughs> but already getting the feel. People asking in the comment section, are we going to start wearing Christmas attire? Maybe tomorrow. I got to dig out my Christmas hat, my Santa hat. Uh, maybe tomorrow. But before then, we do have a special guest today. Why don't we bring her on? April Moss made waves when she was fired from CBS, a CBS affiliate, after she announced on air that she was going to be working with Project Veritas. Now doing a lot of investigative reporting, we welcome to the show Miss April Moss. April, welcome. We got her? Guys. Oh, we don't got her, I guess. Oh, we I'm, do here, I'm here. I'm <laughs> here. Uh, I don't can think that was you. Uh, I can hear you now. Oh, sorry, guys. Okay, great. Hey, Welcome Max. Thanks for having me today. Thanks. Well, I'm, great I'm, to be I'm here. Happy to have you. Happy to have you because you're doing a lot of good work in Michigan, a state that we don't hear a ton about. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before we went on about the state of Michigan with Miss Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about what's going on in Michigan. Is it any different than what we're seeing in other blue states like New York, New Jersey? You know, it's a little bit different. It's not, um, we've certainly seen uh, Whitmer quiet down. She's been very, very silent lately. I think she knows, you know, it's it's tense here in Michigan. We've got a lot of uh, kickback against her totalitarian uh, policies that she's implemented over, um, you know, the last year and a half. And so I think she's really trying to, uh, I pretty much concentrate on, I better not <laughs> do too many totalitarian things right now because, you know, she's, she's hoping to get reelected, but um, you know, the people are not with her. Um, it's very similar to people in California and New York, you know, they're fed up with um, these far left policies. And I think that, you know, I'm certainly hopeful that we're going to see a great candidate take over uh, in 2022 as governor, but we still need to fix those, uh, elections and put some things in place so we make sure that there isn't so much cheating. Um, but anyways, you know, my story that I've been working on for the last uh, several weeks has really centered around what's happening in the healthcare systems here in the state. And many of you across the country have, you know, of course heard that it's difficult for people to get um, common cures for COVID-19. And a lot of people are coming down with the different variants. Um, and so we had two brave whistleblower doctors come forward um, exclusively with me. And it was pretty incredible the amount of information that they shared about what happened within the Henry Ford healthcare system here in Michigan. And for those of you who aren't aware, Henry Ford healthcare system is the second largest healthcare system in our state, very highly respected up until just recently, 
And um, looking forward to sharing with you a bit more about some of the things that yeah. the doctors were revealing. So listeners of the podcast, if you're not from Michigan, trying to, I think the last time we discussed the Henry Ford health system, if we can go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer, it was this big study about hydroxychloroquine yep. and what they found having given hydroxychloroquine um, to 2,500 patients who were hospitalized in the early pandemic, they found that 13% of those um, treated with hydroxychloroquine alone died compared to 26.4% who were not treated with hydroxychloroquine. So a significant result, and they were able to publish this study, that early treatment with hydroxychloroquine significantly reduced mortality in COVID-19 patients. That kind of got hidden. I mean, unlike the other studies where they like to yeah. claim, like, oh, it wasn't peer-reviewed, it wasn't a, wasn't a reputable place, Henry Ford Health System is, is as reputable as it gets. And yeah. that just kind of got memory hold. They kind of just pushed that aside. And then afterwards, they were blocked from even administering hydroxychloroquine. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So what happened was this study was published in July of 2020. Um, and of course, you know, this was the drug that President Trump was touting uh, during the White House press briefing briefings every day. And so, of course, it got censored. Now, the FDA came out and made an announcement on August 24th of 2020 and said, um, yeah, we see this study by Henry Ford, but guess what? Hospital systems nationwide are no longer allowed to prescribe this treatment for, for COVID-19. And that's when they began to implement the very dangerous brand new protocol, uh, which is putting COVID-19 positive patients on mandatory remdesivir if they were admitted to the hospital. And I have firsthand experience with this. My father-in-law um, had to be admitted to the hospital, unfortunately, and he was well aware of the protocol and that he did not want to take remdesivir. And the doctor told him, um, you don't get to tell me what to do. You're here in my hospital and this is our protocol, uh, which is against the law. I mean, this is, this is what we're seeing happen to so many people um, where they're not, they're denied early treatment for cures that we've known about, like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Um, and so then people are scrambling, trying to find, you know, medicines that have been around for decades and had that seal of approval from the FDA yeah. for decades. And, and really the key here is that ivermectin is an anti-parasitic drug. So it's very, it's highly effective, not only for um, COVID, but also for so many other uh, illnesses and diseases. And so the two doctors that came forward with um, Henry Ford Health System to say, listen, what we're doing is wrong. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they had witnessed multiple people who were denied those treatments, and their families had to go to court to try to get the, the treatment. And while they're waiting for the judge to decide whether they have the right to try, you know, these already approved treatments, um, people were dying. So these doctors yeah. kind of are coming forward and they're saying like, enough is enough. And um, they shared quite a bit about too, you know, we don't think about the hospital systems as being a place where you would see um, a Marxist agenda, but that's exactly what started to happen um, in the healthcare system here at Henry Ford at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I know people, I have family members who have been on hydroxychloroquine for a long time for different diseases like mm -hmm. lupus. Um, I, yeah. I went back and I'm, I'm pretty sure I was prescribed hydroxychloroquine when I was a teenager when I went to the Caribbean 
because I didn't want to take the other malaria pill that apparently gives you weird dreams. So they, they gave me hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's crazy. Like if you go to your doctor right now and say, Hey, I'm traveling to Africa. I'm thinking about traveling to Africa. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have some hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic for malaria. They will give you it. No questions asked. If you go to right. your doctor and say, Hey, I just got back from living in Africa. I'm worried about parasites. What do you got for me? They will give you ivermectin. No questions asked. You just take it at home and they don't even like force you to come in for regular visits. So it, it's insane that these are drugs that prior to this, you could go in and they would just write you a script as if it was, it was candy. Like we, we hear so many problems with, with doctors overwriting prescriptions. This isn't one of those situations. If you're going somewhere where there's going right. to be malaria, they would just give you hydroxychloroquine and say, here you go. It's safe. Been around for 60 years. Good to go. Yep. Now all of a sudden you have people who are yeah. dying and those same doctors won't write the script. And it's, it's just yeah. so obvious that there, there, there's something at play here. And it's money. And what's more is that even if you can find a doctor that will write the script, you've got the pharmacies who are actually getting pressured and saying, don't fill the prescriptions, which is also illegal. And and one more thing, too, you know, Dr. uh, Dr. Talia is one of the doctors that came forward with Henry Ford Health System. Um, He explains that the course of treatment that someone really needs to have, he's, you know, it's based off of your body weight, right? And he gives a five-day treatment plan. So for five days, according to your body weight, you need to have such and such amount of ivermectin. Now, do you know that if you actually try to get a prescription for ivermectin, the pharmacy will only allow you to have it for two days. So even if you can get the ivermectin, you're not getting enough that, you're, that your body needs. So this, this is truly crime, crimes against humanity. So we do have a cut. I don't know if it's the one that our producer just pulled up, but we have a cut of one of the doctors talking about this, and I believe also talking about remdesivir. Ms. Producer, why don't yeah. we, we play that cut from your reporting? Let's move on to talking about <clears throat> Fauci's involvement and specifically his push <laughs> on the hospital system to use remdesivir. Well, <clears throat> remdesivir was actually tried um in the latter i think 2017 2018 around there they used it to see if it would work on the ebola virus in the congo um study was um supported by nih and uh, niaid dr fauci's entity and in that one the remdesivir was used was used along with uh, three other drugs to see if it was beneficial but the, the trial was supposed to go for a year, but it was stopped because remdesivir actually caused over 50% of the deaths. So they pulled it off. Remdesivir, it causes, of the severe side effects, it causes um, hypotension, acute renal failure, um, multi-organ system failure, and septic shock. So even with those indications, that's the only drug that uh, Dr. Fauci said should be used in all the hospitals. And more than likely, that is the drug that is causing the death of many of these patients. It's not so much the COVID. They blame it on the COVID because COVID could do the same thing. But there's no way of knowing, but they still use it every day. On every patient that walks into the hospital, that's had the infection for less than 10 days, 
and especially if they're on oxygen, they're put on steroids and they're put on remdesivir. In November of last year, the World Health It's really scary. And, and this, is, yeah. this is a drug. I mean, we, we look through medicine and there are tons of drugs that we have on the market and their, their purpose is to kill what's killing you before the drug itself kills you. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like radiation treatments for cancer or chemotherapy for cancer, right? Remdesivir is in that, it's in that uh, category. Remdesivir, remdesivir seems to have an effect on, on many people that in a lot of cases is worse than the virus itself. And renal failure is just one of those things. If we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, this was a study um, that is published on the NIH's website Remdesivir and acute renal failure, a potential safety signal from disproportionality analysis of the WHO safety database. So these researchers went through all of the data that they could from the Europeans, the US, uh, FDA. And what they found was that the combination of those terms, acute renal failure, which is kidney failure, and remdesivir, mm -hmm. searching for those terms yielded a statistically significant disproportionality signal with 138 observed cases instead of what they expected it would be, which was nine, right? Based on all of the information that they've received from the healthcare industry, from pharmaceutical industry, they expected to see around nine cases of acute renal failure just by looking through old records, like a retrospective study. Mm -hmm. Here, they found 138 cases that it was 20-fold more prevalent than the so-called experts were telling us. We can go ahead and take that down. That is insane. And like, yeah. you can't rush this to market, right? People go no. in and you also have to make sure you have conform, informed consent. When people get cancer, they are, they are explained what chemotherapy is. It is explained yeah. to them that chemotherapy is going to kill you slower than the cancer. So it's good, right? And they have to go yeah. for it. They have to understand the side effects. They have to understand that their life's going to be a living hell, but hopefully it saves them. None of that's happening with remdesivir. And, it, no. and they rush this through. They rush this through. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I want to make a note of is that, you know, I talk to doctors pretty much every single week from all across the country who are seeing COVID patients and they're, you know, they're in the hospital systems even right now. Um, and one thing that they say is uh, they say April when a patient is admitted to the hospital for COVID and they're put on remdesivir, they're also given sedative medicine so that they're kind of you know, out of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and even even just in our own personal family experience with having, you know, the, the situation with my father-in-law, you know, he was put on, you know, sedative drugs so that he kind of wasn't quite sure what was going on. And then you're not allowed in the hospital to make sure that things are going okay. So it's quite troubling. And that's why so many doctors are speaking out and saying, listen, don't let it get to the point where you have to go to the hospital, get that early treatment. And there's a lot of doctors, you know, America's frontline doctors, Dr. Stella Emanuel, they have telehealth, um, you know, uh, opportunities on their websites where people can go and get this uh, medication just shipped right to their house. And the, the issue too is, you know, finding pharmacies that are going to actually fill the prescriptions. And so compound pharmacies are great. So those that are listening, make sure you look around in your area for a compound pharmacy or a mom and pop pharmacy. And, um, but you know, this is something that every, every person needs to have in their house just to have, you know, on hand. But, um, you know, the doctors shared so much more, Max, about what was going on within the healthcare system. Um, specifically, I wanted to, to mention, 
you know, Dr. Vela specifically talked about how uh, at Henry Ford, they had everyone do mandatory OSHA training. Um, and so it was online. And these doctors and staff members were um, had to comply with this training, which, um, you know, do we have the, the clip on that at all regarding what uh, Dr. Vela said? And I can I can bring it up too. Um, Greg, do but we have basically, it? I'm finding that portion. I need okay. a minute or two. Yeah. So I'll just say, it. you know, one of the slides that Dr. Um, Vela had to fill out was uh, a question. It said, "The best way to protect yourself against COVID-19 is to be vaccinated." And then the doctors had to click either true or false. Well, if you clicked false that you did not agree with that statement, it would not allow the doctors to continue on with the training to complete the training. So you had to click true. I mean, this is so nefarious because here's the thing. If all of the doctors in your, you know, your medical system are forced to answer an OSHA training question a certain way, then they yeah. then can take that data and run to the media and say, look, everybody in our in our yeah. healthcare system agrees mm -hmm. that the best way to protect yourself against COVID is to get vaccinated. Um, and so Dr. Bello was one of only a handful of doctors that refused to finish that training um, until they, they went all the way up the chain of command and said, listen, this isn't right. And only the doctors the who hubris. complained... There's also the hubris mm -hmm. of it. I mean, OSHA, mm -hmm. I mean, OSHA does lots of things, but usually when people mm -hmm. experience OSHA, it's because there's workplace safety issues. Like you you work at a gun range and there's not sufficient ventilation to make sure there aren't lead particles and in I've the air. Okay. They'll go to a construction site and see that people are putting ladders on top of ladders on top of ladders to reach really high things. And you can't do that. You can't have your boss forcing you to, to stack ladders on top of each other. So that's what, like, those are the kind of OSHA regulations people usually experience but here osha is claiming to know more than the actual doctors doctors actual who are, doctors. Who are entrusted right. to practice medicine i mean that is not osha's goal osha is most likely unconstitutional the way it's been formed for them to come in and tell yeah. doctors what they should think medically about different uh, vaccines or different medications there's there's a really disgusting hubris to it, which we've seen throughout this pandemic of people saying follow the science, but they're not actually interested in following the science. They're just, it's just their opinion. It's just political propaganda science. At that That's point. what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not even it's, political it's science. Follow our yeah. Well, true. It's it's fo it's follow 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 our narrative, right? Or or nothing else. It's our way or or no way. So, Miss Brewster, we have that clip. Let's go ahead and play it. 29th and uh, within several weeks I would say by mid-July we received um, a uh, mandatory in-service which comes to us as an email and then you log into an account that you have it's called uh, University uh, Henry Ford University you log in and that's where you do all your mandatory training uh, for the year so this was something new um, and um, it was OSHA training it was new um, for COVID safety and COVID uh, protocols and procedures. And so it was about, a, from what I recall, maybe a 10 to 15 minute video that you would watch. And then at the, and then typically at the end of these training videos, you have to do a questionnaire. Okay, that's normal. So what was unusual about this questionnaire, most questionnaires, 
you you answer the questions and maybe if you you know hit eight out of ten right you pass and and that's it. On this questionnaire, the questions were very unusual in that they were stated in such a way that each answer was true. Okay, so you're going along one, two, three, four, five, true, 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 true. You get to seven, and seven says the the something to the effect of the the single best way out of the pandemic is the COVID-19 vaccine, which is obviously a matter of opinion. So when I got to question seven, I checked false. As soon as I checked false, I got a screen saying, wrong answer, try again, which would never happen on previous trainings. And you couldn't move forward to the next question. You couldn't complete the training and you couldn't be in compliance. And this training also had a, a very short window of compliance. Uh, when they came out with the training, it had to be done within like about three weeks, which is kind of unusual. Normal uh, uh, mandatory annual training, it comes out months in advance. They give you months to do it. So it was very short and you could not complete the training unless you answered uh, yes, to, true to that question, which begs the question, why would they make you do that? And one could theorize that, okay, if all the employees answer yes, to that question, the, the COVID-19 vaccine is the best way out of the pandemic, and then you come along and submit your religious exemption, then they can say, well, you answered this question, yes, and now you don't want the vaccine. So they might catch you in a contradiction is what, what I was uh, suspicious of. So whether a healthcare worker... Isn't that crazy? I mean We've all taken trainings like that throughout our careers, whether it be HR related or, or whatnot. And yeah, th there are some times where where I, I've had like a no answer, but never. I couldn't imagine that for for medicine. But no, I, yeah. I can't. I still can't get over the hubris of it. Of, of for a doctor to. Yeah, no. And, you know, Dr. Vela, he has been with the Henry Ford Health System for 32 years. This isn't a doctor who, you know. Who, who was just, you know, oh, I have it out for Henry Ford. No, he's he's like, I've been with them. This is this was a stark difference when the pandemic set in, all this language started to um, really be very different, you know, with the Marxist agenda. So, you know, uh, these doctors are very brave. They're, they've, they've left the Henry Ford health system. They're starting, in fact, Dr. Vela is starting his own, um, you know, endeavor practice to provide, um, a kind of like a parallel healthcare system for those that are in Michigan. Um, so it's quite, it's quite interesting. What's happening is that the the doctors who see through the propaganda and are saying, I'm not going to comply with this. We're seeing them all across the country begin to start up their own parallel healthcare system, which is so greatly needed. I mean, do we, does anybody really want to go to the hospital now when you kind of wonder, like, are they really going to take good care of me if, you know, if I go in with yeah. for something other than COVID? You kind of just at this point, it's really um, troubling. It is. It is. And we're seeing a little bit of honesty starting to come out where before, if you came in and you told them that you were vaccinated, they wouldn't even look for blood clots, right? They wouldn't even be concerned mm -hmm. about that now. If you go into a hospital COVID positive and, and you say you were vaccinated, many hospitals will actually put you on a protocol to look for blood clots to make sure that you're not at risk of, of clotting out. Right. So there's a little bit of honesty coming back. Maybe it might just be from a liability perspective, 
But I, I, yeah. as we're listening to this, I'm, I keep thinking about what we were just talking about, remdesivir, where it can cause renal mm-hmm. failure. Whenever I'm yeah. going to a doctor or in the, or I haven't been in the hospital many times, but whenever I go to a doctor and get prescribed a medication, I ask, um, <clears throat> where in the body is this medication metabolized? Is it metabolized mm. in your liver? Is it metabolized in your kidneys? Because um, I want to know whether I can drink alcohol, whether I can take Advil, Tylenol, because mm-hmm. different medications are metabolized different ways. If the hospitals are unwilling to even recognize that renal failure is a serious risk from remdesivir, if they're not even willing to entertain it, and then they proceed mm-hmm. to prescribe medications that get metabolized through someone's liver, that can be catastrophic, right? I mean, that's like giving someone yeah. medication that affects their their liver and then letting them drink a bunch of alcohol. It's it's insane. Yep. It's insane. So <clears throat> I, 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 I have to imagine that this is going to stop, that they're going to have to start doing this because you, you can't have a hospital just from a liability perspective, giving people counteracting medications. I mean, that's why you need honesty. That's why you need to yeah. be honest about side effects so that the patient knows what they can and cannot do, right? If, if you give someone a medication that metabolizes yeah. in your liver, you got to tell them, don't go out on a bender. Don't start binge drinking. You're going to destroy your liver. Right. But they're not, they're not you know what? You're true. You know, you're exactly right. And what's really sad is that we're hearing about cases of patients who go in with just COVID symptoms, and then they are put on remdesivir. And then after the remdesivir, they have to go on to dialysis because their kidneys yeah. are not functioning anymore. I mean, this is, you know, again, it's it's all about being educated into what's going into your body. You do have the legal right to decide what goes into your body, regardless of what a doctor might tell you at the hospital. If a doctor tells you that you, um, you know, don't have a say because you're in their hospital and this is their protocol, that doctor needs to be, uh, you need to file a lawsuit. I mean, I, I was never one of these people that I was like, oh, just file a lawsuit, sue this person. But we, you know, we're past this point right now. These are people's lives. People are dying. People are having, you know, major, major health issues because of these protocols that are being put into place. And so many people across the country, you know, their family members are being held hostage within the hospital and not, you know, they're not being allowed in uh, to make sure that everything's going smoothly and going okay. And, um, you know, I talk all the time with nurse Erin. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she was one of the whistleblowing nurses in the height of the pandemic. And she says, you know, April, when, when I was a nurse in Florida, she said, there were patients that would, you know, come to the hospital with COVID symptoms and we would give them hydroxychloroquine and, you know, zinc and z and things like that. And they never had to be admitted to the hospital. They were totally fine. She said the exact same time that this was happening in Florida, New York, you know, you're, that was when we were all watching the, you know, body bags coming out of the hospitals and, you know, freezer trucks pulling up and, you know, all this fear mongering on the news. And um, so she went to New York to see, like, what's going on. And do you know what she found out, Max, when she got there? What did she find out? She got there and they um, they would have all of the patients in their rooms with the doors shut and extra, she said all the nurses put extra long IV tubing on their um, IVs and they would wheel the IV bags outside of the patient's room so that the nurses never had to go inside the room to check on the patient. So they would just change the bags outside the room and, and Aaron was like, what, what are you doing here? What What's going on? 
Um, so this is the kind of stuff, you know, that unfortunately now has infiltrated into even Florida hospitals where they're not, you know, they're not giving people the correct treatment that they were giving just last year. I'm thinking about where this ends up because let's say you go into the hospital, you're unvaccinated, they put you on remdesivir against your wishes, it kills mm -hmm. your kidneys, you beat COVID mm -hmm. and they say, well, now I don't have kidneys, so now I want a kidney transplant. And then we also see a lot of these ethics boards at the hospitals yeah. won't let people get a transplant unless they're vaccinated. Yep. So I'm, I'm, uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to see some really weird cases coming down the pike of people who against their will have had their kidneys destroyed by this medicine. And then the same hospital that destroyed the kidneys are going to refuse them a kidney transplant because they're not vaccinated yeah, and that's why just we recover need from the disease. Yeah. And, and, and that's why we we have to have this. We have to have a parallel healthcare system. We have to have, you know, hospitals across the country with true doctors that are saying, you know, listen, I, I'm going to uphold my oath to do no harm. And I'm going to follow the, you know, the true science and the and the data, you know, of what's going on. I mean, it's obviously it's going to take a while before we get there. And, and unfortunately, that's that's the hard thing, you know. We're we're in this season where we're in a transition period where doctors are just realizing like I'm going to have to start up my own thing and what does that even look like, you know? Doctors are having to become entrepreneurs all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. It so. it is weird. And and we're also seeing I I want to get your take on this because I've been seeing more and more of this mm -hmm. lately. Um mm -hmm. Companies, I know Kroger is in Michigan. Kroger has a lot of stores in Michigan. Kroger yes. announcing that they're cutting benefits for their unvaccinated employees. They're going to charge them a surcharge if they're on their health plan, and they're not going to give them paid time off if they get COVID-19 if they're not vaccinated. We're seeing a big push yeah. from the left, the so-called proponents of universal health care, now announcing that universal health care in their perfect world wouldn't be so universal <clears throat> because oh, you, yeah. don't, uh, you don't get it if you were vaccinated, right? So they're taking this yep. nonsense from doctors refusing to treat unvaccinated patients, which I know you've seen, I've seen, it's been happening all around the country. And now yep. it is trickling up to the actual policy makers. And yeah, I, yeah. I just, I wanted to get your take on that because I always thought universal healthcare well, meant universal, not, oh, just yeah. anyone who's unvaccinated. Listen, Max, we're in a, we're in a season and time in, in our history of our country right now where you know, up is down, is down is up, wrong is right, and right is wrong. I mean, nothing makes sense anymore. You know, try to be a critical thinker and think your way through this, and none of this makes sense. Um, you know, Eric Swalwell, I don't know if you ca caught his tweet from just yesterday, I believe it was, or the other day, um, no, where he said that, you know, oh, he was, he was, I should probably just read it to you, but it was basically along the lines of, that he was disgusted and horrified that he was on an airplane wow. with, you know, people and that unvaccinated people should not be allowed to fly and that it's irresponsible for unvaccinated people to, you know, be on an airplane. And, and yet at the same, in the same week, you know, you had the uh, CEO of Southwest Airlines and I believe another airline that testified before Congress to say, listen, we have the best you know, filtration within our, yeah. our airplanes, it's absolutely safe for people to fly. There's no need for masking, right? So you've got representatives within our government denying true science and facts to push an agenda that makes zero sense, right? And just like with Kroger, I think people have got to, they've got to take a stand. And we've been seeing it happen, you know, over the last year, 
where don't give your money to Kroger anymore. Don't go shopping at Kroger. Maybe it's a little bit inconvenient or out of your way to go to a different grocery store. Support the mom and pop grocery stores in your communities. We've got to go local as much as we can. And, um, you know, these types of protocols are a violation of everybody's constitutional rights. And clearly, Max, you know this, you know, if we don't have medical freedom and we don't have freedom of speech, those two things are so critical. What freedom do you have if you don't have the ability to decide what goes into your body? Right. And and, you know, some of these corporations are not even honoring religious or medical exemptions. They're just like, you know, that's it. Yeah. You're you're gone if you're not going to to do this. And, you know, again, it doesn't make sense because we've nobody is talking about natural immunity. You know, this is a year to two years mm -hmm. out from this start of this pandemic. And here we are. Most people have already gotten the virus naturally. So you've got those antibodies that and many studies showing that it's highly effective and long lasting and and even that you'd have antibodies that would last for life. So, again, this is just um, disgusting, in my opinion. Well, they changed the definition of herd immunity. <clears throat> yes, they, they did. The definition. It, it used to be when when a, enough people in a society have natural immunity or vaccine um, induced immunity that it's no longer easy for a virus to spread. They changed that to remove the natural immunity from the entire equation. And the crazy thing is in New York City, it is illegal for you to walk out of the hospital unvaccinated having just beat COVID-19. It's illegal to walk out of the hospital, walk into a, a restaurant and get a bite to eat. But you can be yeah. vaccinated COVID positive and contagious and go into that same yep. restaurant and eat. I mean, it's, it's craziness. Yeah. And, and at yeah. some point, at some point we have to recognize natural immunity and we have to recognize that in a state like New York city, in New York, New York city, where 70% of the people are apparently are vaccinated, they now have more cases than they did at the height of the pandemic, 21,000 in a yeah. single day, 21,000 people testing yeah. positive. I think that's more than at any other point since this virus hit our shores. So at some point there has to be this, for lack of a better word, come to Jesus moment where, pe where they yep. have to recognize, hey, this isn't working, right? This isn't working. Yep. When they start seeing that 70, 80% of the people coming into hospitals are vaccinated, they ha there has to be this come to Jesus moment where they admit it isn't working, but they're so resistant to do it because not only are these people tyrants, April, they're also yep. very, very full of themselves and they refuse yes. to ever admit that they're wrong. A lot of arrogance there. And, you know, I want to speak to because we're kind of coming up on just another um, less than 10 days before the PCR test that we've been, you know, many people have been forced to take, you know, in order to continue to work and things like that. Those PCR tests, they were deemed, by the way, eight months ago by the CDC to be completely ineffective. And yet so many corporations continued to enforce people to take a PCR test, knowing that there were false positives, knowing that that's not what these tests were even designed to do. And um, I'm interested because by December 31st, they will no longer be using these specific tests. They're going to be transitioning to different tests. Um, I'm kind of I'm curious because we know that George Soros and Bill Gates have now purchased testing facilities, which that in of itself uh, should scare everybody, <laughs> you know, because yeah. what we do know about the PCR tests is that they collect DNA. 
that's what they do. That's their sole purpose. And when I was down in Texas several months ago, I met with some border officials, people who, you know, have been on the southern border for years, not just recently, but I'm talking about for 10 years. And do you know that they were using PCR tests to um, determine this was before COVID hit. They were using them on the border to determine whether a person coming over was a repeat offender or not. Yeah. And, and to test and, familiar uh, relations too for a yeah. brief period when so, Trump was letting them do it. Yeah. And, and what, and what are they, what have they been doing to the entire population? Get tested, get yeah. tested, get tested. You know, it's, it's quite alarming. Yeah. I, I've seen lots of theories about this and I don't know how many of mm-hmm. them I believe, but the one that hits home closest to me is that since this pandemic has started, I don't think I can remember seeing a single commercial for like 23andMe, for like Ancestry.com's oh, you're so um, true. Yeah. DNA testing. They used to be everywhere. And I haven't yep. seen any of them. And it's long been theorized that those were basically government fronts to collect people's DNA. It's an out there yep. theory, but a lot of people have presented evidence to suggest that these, when you give them your DNA, the government takes a piece of it. I just find it very interesting that right, af- right after they started rolling out these DNA swabs, yeah, collection methods. I think it's All of interesting. Ancestry dot com went away. You're you're exactly right. You know what's even more interesting is that if you read uh, Robert F Kennedy Jr.'s new book, The Real Anthony Fauci, um, it's not. It really doesn't seem very far fetched or any sort of conspiracy theory to think that this is exactly what they were designed to do. Just like Facebook, okay, right? When Facebook came out, it was like first it was for college kids, like, hey, this is a great way to yeah. stay connected, and mm. so everyone jumped on board, right? It yeah. was the Facebook that Everybody... you got from school, a literal book with everyone's picture, their phone number, their email, yep. email, so you could contact them. That's all it was supposed to be. Yep. And then what happened? They opened it up to everybody. Then everyone has to start putting all of their information, you know, you know, willfully, obviously. But that's again, no, if if people felt like, oh, I, I have to do this because, you know, the law is telling me I have to do this, that's one thing. But again, so nefarious, right? Now we know that they collect all of our information and it's a direct yeah. feed to the FBI. I mean, it's just incredible so yeah my i'm with you on that there's so many theories about these pcr tests and the ancestry dna uh tests but again you know people have got to be using discernment and stuff and so i tell the you know people who are close to me i always say if they have symptoms i'm like listen you don't need to run out and take a pcr test just take your vitamins you know if you feel like you're really sick call the doctor but this is um yeah quite quite alarming it's going to be interesting to yeah. see whether any of this kind of DNA evidence ever just shows up in criminal cases, because we've seen yep. how the deep state, how FBI officials are willing to launder intelligence. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see if any DNA just miraculously turns up in criminal trials, because that would obviously confirm some of these suspicions. So mm-hmm. where do you see this this going next? We have, we have a little bit of time left. Where do you see this going yeah. next? Joe Biden is, is delivering a big speech, big speech today, um, where he's going to he's going to in an effort to bring the country together, tell half of us that we're all going to die. I was just going to say, I mean, nothing <laughs> says dark winter like the statement that the White House put out, right? Just in time for the holidays. Yeah. What, a, what a great way to ring in the you know Christmas spirit. 
Um, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, and isn't, today also, isn't today also the winter solstice? It is. it is the darkest day of the year. So on the darkest day of the year, he is about to deliver the darkest message ever from the White House. Put we can on, only surmise, on right? We can only surmise what it will be, but I, I would not be shocked if he announced some sort of travel ban for unvaccinated people on the airlines, you know? Um, it's going to be some type of attack on our freedoms. That's how I, you know, what I'm anticipating. And, you know, we're, we're in the fight of our lives right now. We're in the fight of our lives for our country, for our freedom, um, and for the mass psychosis that has, you know, enveloped this entire world. Um, you know, the people who don't quite even understand what's really going on, the bigger picture. The, um, the, yeah, the last time he delivered this kind of speech, I was shocked at just how divisive it was. I mean, I knew that he mm -hmm. didn't actually have any intention to bring the country together. Mm -hmm. Even if he wanted to, I don't think he could, but he hasn't tried. Mm -hmm. Right. And the last time he gave one of these speeches, I was shocked because he was actually telling people who were vaccinated that the reason that they have to keep wearing a mask, the reason that they have to keep hiding is because of the unvaccinated, that the unvaccinated are somehow trying to yeah. kill them. And it's just a further perversion on this basic idea that that you are at risk by another person breathing in the same room as you. But he actually yeah. he actually crossed that line of saying that of yeah. referring to the unvaccinated as if they are a threat. And you see this, so, you th see this throughout history of dictators who are desperate to hold on to power, right? Yeah. And when they realize they can't bring everyone together, they want to divide even more. You know, you're right. And I will say this too, that we're talking like 10 years ago, Walgreens came out with an ad campaign that was, it was the first time it was ever used within our generation where it was trying to tell people this mentality of um, get, get the flu shot, get, get vaccinated with the flu shot for your own family, for others around you. And um, I have a friend who was working on that ad campaign and she said, Hey, listen, this, this isn't right. That's not even, you don't get vaccinated to protect the five people that you're around. You get vaccinated to protect yourself. Like, what yeah. do you, you know, this is dangerous. What she was saying was, this is dangerous. What the ads are doing to, to try to formulate this idea in the public's mind. But again, these are all tactics that the media has used for decades. Um, and now we're seeing it from the white house, right? This yeah. propaganda being put forth to brainwash people. If you were a critical thinker, you would know, you know, we've never in, in our lifetimes ever had this mentality that you get vaccinated for somebody else. That's like well, ridiculous. Sometimes, sometimes like if you have a newborn on the way and, and you're, and you're ready for like a, a whooping cough vaccine, that is, that, that has been recommended, right? For, for, for situations like so that. But what we haven't I, had. I like, I'm so against pregnant women getting vaccinated. I just am. There's too much, there's too many studies that an unborn child, it's too many risks, you know, to inject yourself oh, yeah. with something. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm just well, saying true, but, like, it's, but just like traditionally that has been not just even mm -hmm. pregnant women, but like husbands, um, kids, mm -hmm. right. It, it, it has been mm -hmm. recommended that, that you get vaccinated for a newborn until that newborn can build up their own protections. What we haven't had is, is doctors actually coming into a room and prescribing a treatment to protect someone else, protect the metaphor, like the, the, the just generic other right? When a doctor yeah. goes in the room, they're supposed to give the patient what is going to best protect the patient. 
but we have a whole entire vaccination campaign to get people to be vaccinated to protect an unnamed person like if you live with someone who's elderly you can make the case that yeah i'm gonna get xyz i'm gonna do xyz to protect this person that i love Mm -hmm. that you can make Mm -hmm. that argument and that's up to up to the patient to decide for the doctors to say yeah we're gonna give you a vaccine to protect someone you've never met and we can't even prove it's gonna do it and oh yeah there's gonna be all (laughs) these side effects but you need to still take it anyway because you're gonna protect this amorphous undefined other no. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's clearly unethical. Well, and the other thing is that I have a problem with is the CDC, okay, they're not lawmakers. They give a recommendation and that's what they give. But what we're seeing now happen is that whatever gets put out by the CDC is instantly implemented by people who are like, oh, oh, the CDC said it. We've got to do it. We've got to shut down businesses. We've got to, you know, put signs up on our windows saying that, you know, people with uh, not wearing masks are not allowed in and and all this nonsense, right? You know, uh, having to show your vaccine card because the CDC said it or whatever. Um, again, like people have to remember these are guidelines and with with all things, you know, first of all, I mean, the CDC, most people don't realize how many patents of vaccines that they own. And this is why every person needs to be reading the the real Anthony Fauci uh, book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because everything is cited and, and there's no way that you can refute the, the validity and the truth that is within that book. But it, it ties everything back and, 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 you know, really lays out a clear plan of why we're seeing what's happening happen and it's directly because of anthony fauci who has never seen a patient in his life and it it becomes even more terrifying when you see the other things that the cdc is getting involved in you see the other things cdc getting involved in in gender transitioning they want to get they want their hand in that Mm -hmm. they want their hand in understanding how parents parent their children i'm not I'm not one, I probably never will be one to beat my kids. I, I think mm-hmm. that the threat of a spanking probably is more effective than the spanking itself, but they're, they're looking into that. They're also now investigating gun control, gun violence, mm-hmm. gun violence pre- pre- prevention. That's what they say. What does and the CDC years, have anything to do with that? Well, yeah, for years, the Democrats have been defining gun violence as a pandemic that has reached reach pandemic. Mm-hmm stages and we know the last time that the cdc investigated gun control they were not just crunching numbers they were actually advocating for gun control and that's why they lost their funding Mm -hmm. and their ability to uh, investigate gun deaths they now have that Mm -hmm. they now have that funding back and they're now advocating that so we live in a world where politicians local health officials who have never found their names on a ballot once are restricting people's rights and liberties on the recommendation yep. of more unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., and they're doing it for COVID-19. Yep. You can't you can't free freely assemble. You can't go to church. They went down the list. They even shut down, yep. shut down uh, courts. Can't have a trial before a jury of your peers. Can't have a speedy trial. It went through everything. And now you, you have to know that this is on this is on the horizon. If Democrats hold power long enough, they're going to do the same thing with gun control. We're going to say gun control is a pandemic. The CDC officially recommends X, Y, and Z. And you're going to see these states and cities implement just like they did, more than willing to do it. And we're going to have to hope that there is a judge out there who's willing to shut it down, though I I doubt there will be in some of these areas. But no, it's very, very scary when you see what the CDC is involved in. 
And that's, and I'm really glad that you brought up that point because, you know, we're watching what's happening in Australia and people are being put into, you know, COVID camps. And we know that they're already constructed in Canada and, and other places as well. You know, those areas have the strictest gun control. Australians don't have access to weapons. They don't have guns. So again, like we've got, we, you're right. People have to be awake and understand like, this is a very nefarious plan. The reason why they want to remove people's guns and our second amendment rights is so that we are not going to be able to defend ourselves when they want to take the unvaccinated or, you know, New York, yeah. right? New York is a key example. They have mandated and put in within their legislation that they, you guys just covered it the other day, yeah. you know, about, you know, how they can remove people from their homes if they're deemed a health threat. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's quite interesting. But on a positive note, I do I do want to leave this on a positive note is right. that there are, you know, <laughs> there's yeah. there's there's doctors that are starting um, mobile health clinics. Well, they're actually going to get into a van and literally can drive and do like a, a mobile even ICU unit for people come right up into your driveway and take care of you. So these are the things that I know of personally that are happening They're They're just in the early stages, but they're going to be, I think, a ripple effect across the country with many other doctors jumping on board. That's what we need to hope and pray continues to happen. Yeah, the market will always find a way. I'm no, I'm no like capitalist purist. Like I, I think mm -hmm. that un, completely unrestricted capitalism is bad. You need to have some guardrails, but um, that's what the capital capitalist market will will do. If the hospitals are corrupt and the hospitals are are killing people, then people will step forward and, and do the right thing. We've seen it happen over the last two years with schools. I, it is mm -hmm. shocking just how many parents pulled their kids out of public schools. As soon as everyone's at home, they're able to listen what's going on on the e-learning. Like, oh my God, I'm, I don't want my kids in here with critical race theory yeah. and everything else going on. Um, yep. Started pulling their kids out of school. And now you have new different schooling setups with, with, with uh, all different families, right? Basically pooling their resources, hiring a single teacher, to teach all of the, all of the yes. kids. Um, yeah. No, we see this across the board. Homeschooling is yeah. exploding. It yeah. is. Homeschooling so it, it only is, stands the reason mm -hmm. that, that these mobile ICUs would, would, would uh, pop up too. Yeah, absolutely. And actually that's one of the things that I'm working on on the side when I'm not doing my investigative reporting. My husband and I are actually coming alongside of uh, parents across the country who are reaching out to me and saying, please help because I pulled my kids from school, but now I don't know what to do. And we've been a homeschooling family for seven years. So we're actually, we've, we've come up with a complete plan uh, where we sit down with people over zoom and we walk them through curriculum and how to do their scheduling and really coming alongside these parents and saying, listen, you don't have to do the public school option. There's so many different ways. So we're actually partnering with parents who are interested in that. They, all they have to do is contact me, uh, on my website, aprilmosstv.com, and uh, we'll get them set up with all the info they need for homeschooling options. And like you said, alter alternative options for school where you can hire a teacher and have, you know, small class sizes. And um, there's so many great things happening across the country on that front as well. Yeah, no, it, it is great. And you can also tell that it's great by just how much the regulators and the bureaucrats and the Democrat politicians are trying to shut that kind of stuff down. They're trying to shut down True. new schooling opportunities. They're trying to shut down um, new practices. They're scared. And anytime yeah. you anytime you introduce something that challenges the pre-established power dynamic, 
you go against the mm -hmm. teachers union, you go against the pharmaceutical industry, you're going to get a lot of pushback and no surprise that's already happening in a lot of these yeah. different industries. Well, April, I, I want to thank you so much for stopping by. Um, again, aprilmosstv.com, really interesting stuff. And uh, so yeah, thank you for stopping by and have a great Christmas. Hey, thank you so much. Merry Christmas. And thanks so much for uh, letting me join you today. Appreciate you so much and all that you guys do. Well, thank you so much, April. Merry Christmas and have a great rest of your week. Take care. So that, that was April Moss. As we said at the beginning, she was uh, let go from a CBS affiliate after she announced on air that, uh, <laughs> that she was going to be working with Project Veritas. That CBS did not like that, let her go, and now she is uh, doing some of this investigative reporting. Really, really good stuff. And these are the stories that need to be told, right? I mean, I, I haven't heard about Michigan. I know, I know, Apollo, you're from Michigan, so you get a lot of Michigan sources. Michigan hasn't been as in the news as much as New York or California, but it's still going on there. Well, there's a lot going as, on. Yeah, there's a lot going on, yeah. and, and I know April's working on some good stuff, so I'm going to talk to her about getting her on regularly. Um, she, I mean, she's, you know, wildly intelligent. She's also an amazing resource for the homeschooling yeah. uh, angle. Um, so I, I'd like to just personally do some, some content uh, with her on a few specific issues. Um, but there's a lot. It's interesting, especially just on the election fraud uh you know, topic. There, there's a lot going on in Michigan. And I mean, the things that are going on with Matt DiPerno and all the things in Wayne County, yeah. and it's just not like it's not being covered. They, they've used the Arizona audit, which they, you know, they stumbled and, and have, uh, you know, been lambasting in the media. And Michigan has kind of disappeared, which is, you know, interesting because it is so, uh, it, it's a big piece to it. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, check out all the links in the description. Subscribe to the audio version that's available at all those different links, especially Apple Podcasts. Follow Joe and I on Telegram if you haven't already. Um, we go live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, so tune in for that. If you need a little reminder and you're one of those Facebook refugees who aren't getting reminders anymore, you can text the word FREEDOM to 89517. You'll get added to our text alert system. You'll get a message telling you what we're talking about and how, when, and where you can watch. That's going to be it for this extended issue of the conservative daily podcast my name is max mcguire my name is joe oltman remember everyone the fight to take back our country is not over yet but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together